0: In Thessalonica, they were, they were coming off of these three weeks that Paul had been with them, which just continues to amaze me that he was only there three Saturdays. And yet this massive life change, like Pastor Ted talked about, this massive life transformation uh, changed for them. And Paul's affirming them and writing back to them. And where we get to our passage this morning, he's now picking up, seems like, questions that they had. And the question in their mind was, okay, you came here. We all get saved, but in the month or so since you've been gone, people have died. So what happens to them? You know, Jesus hasn't come back yet. It's evidently, Paul had, had talked to them, even, those, even though he was only there three weeks, he talked about the second coming of, uh, of Jesus. Jesus hasn't come, but they've gone. So what happens to people that, who knew Jesus, who we loved, who, are, who have died? Where, where are they and that's the question that, that's on the table in, in Thessalonians. That's the one we want to answer. I want to play a short video that kind of leads us into that, that place of we know these things, but we wonder ab- about these things as well. So yeah, if we can get the lights, we'll, we'll go ahead and run that. Yeah.
1: Of all the fears that grip our hearts, no fear is greater than the fear of death. There are those who will tell you that death is a natural part of life. But if death is just a part of life, then why does it cause us such anger and sorrow? When God created humanity, He intended for us to grow more and more beautiful over time. But in one tragic moment, we unleashed sin into the world and everything broke, including our bodies. Death is the ultimate consequence of sin and it fills God's heart with anger and sorrow even more than it does ours because death was not a part of God's original plan. The Bible says that when Jesus approached the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he quaked with rage and his eyes filled with tears. He was overwhelmed by the suffering caused by death, a curse we had brought upon ourselves. Death's curse was physical. Both the world and our bodies were decaying. But death's curse was also spiritual, eternally separating humanity from their creator, the source of all light, love, and life. But because of God's amazing love, He chose to surrender all power and glory to rescue us from death. Jesus, God's only son, was expelled from the presence of the Father and thrust into complete darkness in our place. He took humanity's curse upon himself, breaking death's grip on us and purchasing humanity a place at the Father's side forever. A day is coming when the true king will return at last to restore the world to its full glory and us with it, renewing both soul and body. You'll still be yourself, but even more so. You'll finally be the real you. On that day, we'll look at each other and say, I always knew you could be like this. I saw glimpses of the real you, flashes of it, and now here you are. Your future is not an ethereal, impersonal one. You're not going to float through the clouds. You're going to walk. You're going to eat. You're going to laugh. You're going to hug. You're going to sing in realms and degrees of power and joy that you cannot now imagine. Some will tell you not to fear death because it's part of life. But Jesus says not to fear death, because it's been defeated. And the day will come when Jesus embraces you with his nail-scarred hands and says, welcome home. I have so much to show you. Mm.
0: There's so much about that video that I love, yeah. I love that sense, you know, I never thought of that angle of it that we'll say to each other, I knew that was in you. You know, we'll see, we'll see each other as we were created to be. And without all of the defense mechanisms that we live with, we'll just be who we're supposed to be. And you do get glimpses of that from one another, but it'll be on, on that day. And that's really what the what the scripture is about, what the passage is about, that that day is going to come. Some of you who are newer to Jesus, the idea that you might have heard that he was coming back, and but you never really went very far in that. The moment that Jesus left this earth, the disciples are standing, standing up into heaven, as you can imagine, trying to figure out, you know, what, what now, or what's going on? And these angels appear, and it says, men of Galilee, to the disciples, why do you stand here looking in the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. So that's just our first, you know, our first after Jesus' life Evidence that he's going to come back. Everyone's going to see him. There will be this w- light, world-changing second coming of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, what's going on with people that we care about? We're looking forward to this reunion that, that the scripture tells us about. There's so many people, as I said in that, that uh, video that we did on Friday, there's so many people that I, that I want to see. You know, I was thinking, I had this moment in my head of, of this reunion out of this movie that I watched, and I catch the thing, racked my brain. You do that, what movie was that? What movie was that? I was talking to someone and I finally realized it was that really deep movie, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, <laughs> remember at the end. This, and I'm sure I watched it with my children. Uh, remember at the end when finally they, whatever the beast had to do, fall in love or get kissed by the beautiful girl or whatever that was, and everything starts to swirl around, and he, he becomes, he turns from the beast back into the into the prince, and then as soon as he's the prince, everyone else starts to unspin. Mrs. Potts and the little dog kid and the the Lumiere and the clock, whatever his name was. Remember that? They all start doing that, and in that moment, the prince just has this moment of Mrs. Potts. I rewatched the clip just to make sure I was seeing it right. (laughs) Mrs. Potts, he just sees her. You're back, and you're who you are. In some way, I think it's gonna be that moment for us. You know? Mom! You know, this, this deacon we had who took a hard stand with us, he stood with us at our church in Maine. You know, Bucky, there you are. You know, Don, there's nothing in the way between us anymore. Not, not you, Don, another Don uh, <laughs> from our previous church. It just became so cluttered between us. I mean, imagine, the first thousand years might just be that. Just seeing pe- person after person—that would probably be the second thousand years, because the first thousand years will probably just be being amazed in the presence of Jesus, wouldn't it? So, so the Thessalonians, this was new to them because the the distinction of Christianity, biblical Christianity, still is this idea of physical resurrection and eternal life. You know, it's very it's very complicated in Islam and in, in Hinduism. You just keep recycling. It seems like. And that's really your main hope is a better recycle than for eternal life. So it really was unique and it was unique in their world as we're gonna see see in a couple of minutes for them. They just thought you die and, and that's it. So resurrection, that was another great reason to become a believer. It was so important to them because there's a lot of emotions tied up when you lose people who are close to you. You know, as you age, and, and you lose parents. It's a weird thing to lose parents because somehow parents are a psychological buffer between you and death. You know, that there's a generation between you. Cause I remember, you know, my dad died, and, and uh, you know, you can appreciate, it. that was kind of a complicated one for me, but then my mom died, and those of you that have, uh, that have lost both of your parents, we've talked, a number of us have talked, you feel like an orphan. I mean, I, was, I think I was in my 50s when my mom died, and yet there's this weird feeling that you have no parents now. And then it hits you, there is no buffer generation. You are the generation. Your children are looking at you as the buffer now. So, so life just has this, this way of, of making this a reality to us and emotional to us because of the people are there and the what-ifs that we live with in in terms of people that have died or people that are dying, all of those what ifs. And so that was a huge question on their mind in Thessalonica. So I want to read and and pick out what their question was and we'll have some applications to some wider things for us. In 1 Thessalonians, we're in chapter four, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And you got to love this first line because it's God's heart for us. You see it a lot in 1 Corinthians, but he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. I mean, God's heart is not for you to, to have questions about things that are deeply important without giving you answers. And so he speaks to a lot of areas of life that, that have an emotional uh, reaction toward us, that have fear with their, he speaks to those things. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with, with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, the things is that, that you recognize right away just reading this, Paul, Paul lived in light of Jesus' coming at any moment. If you're reading Christian books, they call that imminent, imminent return of Christ, that at any moment Jesus could return. Paul thought it would be in his life. He says, then we who are alive. So, you know, just for a challenge for you and I to constantly be living in light of the fact that Jesus could return at any moment. There's nothing that, prophetically, that nothing that needs to happen before he takes, before he takes his church away. It's funny, Pastor Ted and I were talking Thursday at our, at our lunch meeting about the scripture that says, you know, that there's a reward for all those who love his appearing and what does that exactly mean because it seems like there's this special group of believers who love his appearing i mean we all hopefully love it but evidently there's a group that love it prepare for it study for it. Whatever, however that plays out people that live in light of the fact he could come at any moment because that's what he's always what he's always done so here's this promise that he that he gives to the thessalonians to try to set them at ease what happens to people that die before Jesus comes back? And one of the things you need to pick up, especially for them, but even so for us, I mean, when my mom died and things became incredibly personal to me or when close friends died, and, and it's really important, you want something that's solid. You want a solid promise. You know, I don't want to go to Pastor Ted and just talk to him and say, you know, my mom was saved. There was fruit that gave evidence to her their salvation is she in heaven i don't want him to say maybe you know i want uh, probably that doesn't do it either i want absolutely absolutely if you're born again if you've given your life to jesus if your life back set up and you die you're in heaven you want a promise there's just things you do where you want to promise you know you've flown on a missions trip as a number of you have when you land in some country you've never been to in an airport where you hope you find the right gate you want the person to say, I'll be there, I'll be waiting for you. Because a lot of times my, my question has been, are you sure? <laughs> yes, I will be there. There are things you want a rock solid promise about. You want a rock solid promise about where the people that you love are right now. And this is a pretty strong promise. It's the, it's the expectation and the promise all through scripture. Remember when David's child that he had out of a sinful relationship, when that child that he has out of his adultery of Bathsheba dies, David says, you know, they all expect him to be incredibly broken when the baby dies, and he's more at peace. He says, this baby won't come to me, but I will go to him. And there's comfort in that. This is one of the key passages we go to with what (laughs) happens with babies when they die. David's comforted by that. uh, Job says, in the course of his suffering, Job says, Uh, I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has thus destroyed yet in my flesh, I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. I love that line. I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Nobody's going to tell me about him. I'm going to see him. This is kind of the Bible's anticipation of, of resurrection. Or in John 11, when Jesus goes to the tomb, as the video kind of referenced, Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Is that what he to say when we show up in heaven? Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So all through scripture, it's the expectation that there's resurrection. There's, the, there's going to be the resurrection of, of the righteous. You have this solid promise. And then it, Paul could have gone to Old Testament. Maybe he did when he was there and talked to them about here's the God's plan. Here's the second coming of Jesus. But do you see how he reinforces it to them in verse 15? For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. It's not something that Jesus taught in the gospels. We believe this is more, Paul saying, Jesus has given me a word that this is what's happened. You know, this is the plan. This is where people that have died in faith are. We have this promise as a word from the Lord. It is that, it is that solid. And even if you back up to where he says, you know, our qualification in verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that we have a savior who has shown us this works. Somebody tells you how to do something and you're not so sure and they said, no, listen, I did it and it works. That's incredibly reassuring. Does this really work? Oh yeah, I tried it and it worked for me. Does resurrection, does that really work? Yeah, because we have Jesus as an example. We can't use Lazarus because Lazarus died again. And we can't use Moses and Elijah who showed up at the transfiguration because it seems like they were sent from heaven and then went back. They didn't stay here for everyone to see. But Jesus, he was here for 40 days and people ate with him and people touched him and there was plenty of time for them to be assured that he had broken through this wall of death that we all thought was impenetrable. He has broken through it and become like scripture says, the first fruits of everyone else that's gonna follow him. So we've got this promise, you know, where are people that we love who have died, who, who were believers in Jesus? They are safely home. You know, they are, you don't have to worry about that. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, you've got a solid promise. Not just solid, it's amazing when you think about it. We've got this amazing promise, and now he, he kind of builds it out that you don't, don't worry, they're safe, you, have to worry, you don't have to worry about them anymore. But this promise that becomes more and more amazing. It's such an amazing promise that allows you to have grief of another kind. You know, therefore, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And when I said, you know, the other day on my video, I said we went through files to see how many (coughs) funerals I'd done. That was actually Alexis went through every one of my my funeral notes to see how many. And how many was that? It was like 114, 114. yeah, it's embedded in your mind. (laughs) So I've done 114 funerals. I have done some funerals where I've watched people grieve who have no hope. Seriously, you know, one, yeah, one in Maine, someone lost a child, and just, it is gut-wrenching. You know, and I, in, in this case, she was a believer. Both mom, I don't, I don't think mom was, daughter was. She was a believer, so I had a hope, and I tried to speak to that hope, but just the grief and the agony was there. You know, important for us to pick up we grieve because there's some Christians that get locked into this. We shouldn't be sad. We should be happy. If you've got a relationship with somebody you care about and you lose them, you're sad. Amen. You're just not as sad as if this is the end and there's no hope. So this promise, it is so amazing that, that uh, it gives you grief of another kind. So you grieve, but your, your grief is held up by this hope that we have of reunion. I was, really, I was really struck by how, uh, how I grieved, you know, when my mom died. I was kind of surprised at how deeply affected I was at that. And that's where, unfortunately, I learned that I cannot speak in emotional moments. I just tend to babble and ramble. So you never know how you're going to react. But you've got this safety net as a follower of Jesus that it's not without hope. That's how strong this promise is. And, and that's huge to grip onto when you, when, you walk through, when you walk through that. So we have this thing. You go back to the, to the days of the New Testament so that you can appreciate how the Thessalonians might have wrestled with this. This is what philosophers of the day said. Once a man dies, there is no resurrection. That's really, that was pretty much standard Greek thought. Here's another, another one of their writers. There is hope for those who are alive, but those who have died are without hope. Yeah, you don't want that person at, at your funeral. You don't want that to be the prevailing thought of the day. You don't want to be a sense that you have said goodbye for the last time and will never, ever interact with this person again. You don't want that, but that was the thinking of the day. Well, here's this letter from a woman who's trying to comfort her friend who's lost someone. She, Irene, this is like our New Testament letters. She, who writes the letter, Irene... To Tyanaphras and Philo, good comfort. I was sorry, and I wept over the departed one. In all the things whatsoever fitting I did, and all of mine did. But nevertheless, against such things, one can do nothing. Therefore, comfort ye one another. Hey, we can't do anything about it, so, hey, comfort each other because of that. That is crazy. That is New Testament era death and grieving and hope. Well, you can't do anything now, so hope you feel better. You know, just think of that. We can't, it's hard for us. You have to work to bring your mind back to a place where there is no hope because the the resurrection is such a reality even in our culture. Easter, it's become the Easter bunny, but people know this idea of resurrection. And even people that are having such a struggle with the concept of hell, they still want heaven. And you you cannot take our heaven without taking our hell. You can't do that. You know, you can you can fantasize if you want, but if you're moving through what is truth and, and what is said there, you have to have both of those. I just read a book a while ago, Four Views, a while ago, a few weeks ago, uh, The Four Views of Hell, and uh, I didn't read the fourth view. It was on purgatory, and I saw a little bit of the guy's argument. I thought, I don't know, why, why would I take time on this? I was really, really hoping that the person that was writing from the view of of an annihilation that really sinful people are judged and then they're gone I was hoping I and who wouldn't emotionally hope for that you just can't prove that from the Bible we've been created to live forever and we will live created forever and we will live out our choice we will live in the presence of God or we'll live away from the presence of God so we're so used to that it's hard for us to enter into thessalonica where they're trying to figure out so are they just gone in dust or is there really a hope and if the hope was that jesus was coming for them well then what happens to people that that died before he came that's where they're at so they get this amazing grace uh, grief grieve altering promise the first part of that promise is that they're asleep what a great picture you know, we just, we just had, as you all know, if you're on Facebook, we're showing plenty of pictures of our newest granddaughter, Sadie. I mean, you see her sleep, you see a baby sleep, or you see someone sleep, and you say, oh, they look so peaceful, yeah. So he gives this great picture of people who have died. They've fallen asleep. Boy, that's a, that's a nice picture, especially if, if people you have walked through to the end of their life have had a, just a what's the word, a gut-wrenching end, if you've watched people suffer toward the end, the idea that they're asleep. Boy, that just gives you a sense of, you know, a sense of peace yourself for them. They, that he speaks of that, and then he keeps repeating that. Do you see that? He says in verse 13, um, about those who are asleep. In verse 14, those who have fallen asleep. In verse 15, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. You see how he's trying to really to drive into them in a culture that believes no they're just gone no they're just asleep Hey, important for us to pick up that there's a there's a denomination that teaches soul sleep that when you die your your body your soul and body go to sleep and that you are just in this unconscious state until Jesus comes and resurrects us and then you'll be with him which I don't, I don't think that's biblical. I think what happens, and you've seen in the passage, I think that our bodies die and they are buried, but our spirits go to heaven and, and they're, with, they're with the Lord. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, yes, we're of good courage. We'd rather be away from the body and with the Lord. It just seems like either or, either you're alive in your body or as a believer, you're with the Lord. There's no, there's no in between there. Paul in Philippians 1, he's in jail and he's going through this. He's kind of thinking out loud or writing out loud and he's saying, I'm really not sure whether I want to die because if I die, I'll go and I'll be with Jesus. And how good would that be? But if I live, then I get to help you. And so in Philippians 1, he says, I'm really torn between those two things. This is, this is how he puts it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yeah, which shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Listen, if he knew his body was just going to go to sleep and his soul was going to sleep till Jesus came, he would not be having this argument with himself. That's right. You know, because it would be, why would I want to just be in, in the land of the numb when I could just be, keep working and working and working? But to him, the options are, I either stay alive and keep working, Or I'm in the presence of Jesus now that's a tough choice I mean I love you that's a tough choice (laughs) you know and so when he says they're asleep there is this there is this sense that their bodies are asleep and they're waiting they're waiting for resurrection they're waiting for Jesus to come back for them that's the first piece of this promise that he gives to them this rock solid promise these people that you love that are gone their bodies are just asleep. It's a, it's a good picture that you'd want to hear. The second promise is they're not going to stay asleep because there's going to be a moment where when Jesus comes and calls for them, and, and not only will they not be asleep, but they have this advantage of going ahead of us So he's almost reassuring them, listen, not only are they safe, not only are they at peace now, their bodies, and not only will they they have this moment when Jesus comes and resurrects them, they really are are better off than you because they go first. Because that's what he says, we declare in verse 15 to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. That when Jesus comes and when there's that shout, in, in the, the trumpet and the angel's call, when that happens, the bodies from the grave go first. They'll open up first. I was thinking this week, man, I might get a split-second notice of that, just where my office is right across the street from the cemetery. You know, I, I on me. You know, it says it's going to be quick, the blinking of an eye, we'll see in a second, but I might just have, you know, that split-second head start ahead of you. You know, just to be ready to put things on my desk or whatever so that I'm not holding a glass of water or something that might break when that <laughs> happens and we're gone. You know how that plays out? Those of you who've been at Cottage Hill long enough to know me, this is the kind of stuff I think about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what could happen in a given moment. But, they're, but they, are, they have this greater advantage than we do. My mom, I don't need to worry about her. She's, co- she's going to Jesus first. They're wondering, will they go to Jesus at all? He says, you don't have to worry about that. They're going before you go. So you're not going to be in heaven turning around looking to see if these people you love have made it. You're going to be looking forward ahead to see if they're if they're there or to, you know, ones you know are there to reunite with them. It's going to be a pretty dramatic moment with the way Paul describes it. He says in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend. They give you a sense of how much Jesus' heart is for you. He's not sending some angel to go fetch you. He himself is going to, is going to come for us. There's going to be a cry of command, and, and as reading, and people are making a good point. We don't know if that cry of command is in heaven or for us. We don't know if it's for the angels to get ready. We don't know if it's announcing for us where our spirits will hear his voice. We know there'll be the voice of the archangel. There'll be a sound of a trumpet. All through scripture, there's trumpets. There's trumpets when you're ready to go to war. There's trumpets when you're ready for a meeting with God. Like when when God met with them and gave them the law, they sounded the trumpets. The Romans would sound a trumpet when an important person was arriving. So there's this trumpet that goes off, and in a moment, every believer on the face of the planet disappears. I don't think this is the second coming, the way I understand scripture, and we'll be a little more into that next week because he starts to talk about the day of the Lord. I think this is what what we know is the rapture. rapture is this word when you see, it says in verse 17, in my translation says, then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together. That word caught up together the Latins will translate that into a word that gives us rapture. It will be just taken in a moment. will be gathered. I believe this is a, a moment I'm not sure sh- I don't think the whole world sees Jesus at this point like they do the second coming toward the end of revelation. I believe this is uh, you know, and I 'll speak more to this next week. I believe that this is the moment when Jesus just comes, the time that he's dealing with the church and his program comes to an end, and so the church. As as made up of the body of believers, the church is removed from the world and God finishes his plan with Israel in the seven years we know as the great tribulation. That's that's how I kind of see this playing out in the plan of God. But what a dramatic moment that Jesus comes for us and and just takes us to be with him. And these people we worry about, hey, don't worry about them. They're gonna be there to greet you or not so much to greet you, we're going to have this mid-air reunion. You know, imagine it, just all of us going, you know. Mom, hey, watch where you're going. You know, <laughs> however that goes, you know. However that plays out, it's, I'm glad it's fast so that, you know, for those kind of things, they go before us, it's going to be, and it's going to be suddenly for us. Then we will be caught up, it just gives you this sense of, of quickly happening. This is what First Corinthians says, Again, Paul's writing in the Greek world. They don't believe in resurrection. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, you have so much about resurrection. But he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. And remember, mystery in the Bible is just something that's new, something nobody has been given details about before. Hey, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. There's your first Thessalonians picture. But we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. I think that's rapture and not second coming because Paul's saying we. So he's looking to include himself in that one. In the twinkling of an eye. I mean, we're here and then we're in heaven. You know, imagine that, try to get your head around that. And you know I try to imagine these things. Here we are preaching and I'm just about to push the next slide and bam, we're in heaven. And you know, is there gonna be any sense of, hey, as I was saying, you know, I could, you know, or. How, how does that go, how does that happen? Or is it just, it's totally, that's not at all what's going to happen. When I get to heaven, nobody's going to care about what I have to say or what my, certainly what my next slide was. <laughs> Forget your slides, look at this, you know? However that goes, there's just going to be a, a moment and then we're together. You know, all these other questions we've had, they just get laid to rest, you know? Do people in heaven, do they know what we're doing? How does that play out? you notice the people are in heaven I had I thought I had this insight and then just about every commentary I read said it too when it says um, in verse 14 since we believe Jesus died and rose again even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep so my mom these people you love who who've died and are now in heaven we understand that their spirits are with God in heaven So for them, at this moment of rapture, their bodies are going to meet their spirits in the air because their spirits are with him. That's what it says. He will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. But then it tells you their bodies are going to be resurrected, and they get this mid-air reunion with their spirit and body and us. What a great moment that's going to be. What a great moment that's going to be. And then the other part of this promise that, that makes it so solid is that it, it's a forever promise. He says at the end of verse 17, we'll be caught up to meet them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. I remember when I was newly saved, you're just wondering, God, is there time, 10,000 years down the road where I could blow this? <laughs> what if there's another rebellion in heaven like the angels led, and I was a part of that? And God has since put that to rest. And one of the things that puts that to rest is words like this. We will always be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We'll be together and we'll be with him. So that's the, that's the last part of that. And that's why he can say, therefore, encourage one another with these words. That when you're encouraging people or trying to encourage people who've lost a loved one, these are the words. It's truth that you need to encourage people with. And here's truth from God. And he he's said this so specifically, and he's re- repeated the parts that need to be repeated so that he could put the Thessalonian worry to rest, but he could also put our worry to rest so that we could know they're safe, you know, they're safe, and we're going to be reunited. There's an old hymn that I looked up again. Fanny Crosby, who wrote so many of the gospel songs in the 1800s, uh, lost a child, a newborn, and so she wrote this old hymn, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. And so many of her gospel songs came out of her life. She's blind, and so so many of Fanny Crosby's songs have to do with seeing. Like, uh, I know I will see in his, in his beauty. I knew the Lord in whose law I delight. Just, she wrote about those things. So she writes this song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. That's how she comforted herself. that She knew this child was safe in his arms. And then Thessalonians would tell her, and then one day you're going to see, you know, you're going to see this child again. You're getting all these questions that I don't know, you know, are we going to be the same age? Are we going to be the age where we died? How's that going to work? So I don't know. I just know it all is going to make sense, and I know that God does everything well. So, so we don't need to, yeah, I don't need to go there. You know, I live in the land of Job. Job says at one time, I have I have what uh, do you what do you say, say? I've spoken of things that were beyond my understanding so I'm trying not to do that There's a piece of this that's huge for us before we, before I wrap this out This is a conditional promise It's a conditional promise We don't this is not true of everyone And that concerns me as a pastor I want to clear some of the false ideas that come out about when people die. I want to do that because false ideas, excuse me, they take away the power of the truth. When people die, they don't become angels. Mm -hmm. They don't become butterflies. It may seem funny, but I can't tell you how often we see that on Facebook. When When you rob or you come up with other ideas, you rob the truth of its power. They're they're not partying in heaven. They're not. They're having incredible joy. But when we write about people that have gone on, I know you've joined this great party in heaven. I know that you're partying with Uncle Bill or however that goes. That's not what's happening there. I mean God in his kindness has given us so much of what heaven is like. But we I don't want to make who wants to make heaven like earth? That's about the last thing that we want it to be. So we need to clear, clear those false, uh, uh, false ideas away. And then I need to be gentle but biblical that the key to this promise is in verse 14, since we believe Jesus died and rose again, that anyone that wants to latch onto this promise has to come through that door, that we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Not in an American way of, yeah, I know Jesus, I know he died on the cross, I know he rose again. Because they keeps saying to people, so does Satan. He was there. So he knows Jesus died and rose again. When Paul's using this word believe, is that element of what the Old Testament word believe meant. He's putting his trust in what Jesus accomplished in his death and his resurrection. You read through the scriptures, it's clear For a person to believe on Jesus Christ, they have to acknowledge that they're a sinner and that there's nothing they can do to pay for their sin. And they just humbly come before God who's provided a provision, provided a way for their sin to be paid for through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And by letting go of any of your own righteousness and latching on to faith in what Jesus has done for them and putting your trust totally in that and, and repenting from the life you've lived, And trusting him and following him that is salvation and that leads you to this promise short of that you're just borrowing our hope you're borrowing our hope and I get very concerned with that with people you know and and I don't know who's in heaven and who's not you know we talked about that before you can't tell someone they're not saved because I don't know I've I've told the guy that if I was him, I would worry that I was not saved. That's as close as I can get. Jesus said we can judge by fruit, but at the end of the day, we don't know the heart. We know there'll be people in heaven who are saved, but as by fire, like they just barely made it. And then they'll, you know, I remember hearing hearing that Billy Graham said, we're going to be surprised by who is in heaven and by who isn't in heaven. So but we can evaluate people's fruit and we ought to be exhorting each other to make sure there's fruit that validates what we're saying. But if you want this hope, then there has to be this salvation. And if you want to apply this hope, then you have to know somewhere along the line, the person gave their life to Jesus. Or we wonder, you know, I have people that I'm pretty sure are not in heaven but I I'd rather spend my life hoping than Amen. than settling that in my own human mind i mean right. you know my story that's when my dad died we witnessed to him the day he died and nothing and then he died and so you know i th- i just felt like yeah here's yet another stupid thing you've done in your life you've rejected jesus so just being honest with you that's how i felt w- with him and uh the man who was max in my life, my youth pastor, or just a volunteer at our church, said to me, listen, you can spend your life kicking your father for not being saved or hoping that he got saved. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. So people in your life that you are pretty sure they're not saved, yeah. Keep, yeah. It sure'd. keep it pretty sure. Keep it pretty sure because you don't have the right to, to shut that door. You just have the right to hope. There's the other application for us, though, is if this is the only way people can have this hope, we better be serious and busy about making that, making that known. That's on us to be sharing with people that this is the way, it's the truth, if you're gonna find the life. You know, there's no other way th- that someone can come. This is out of the words of Jesus because don't you talk to people and people will say to you, but Jesus was just so loving. He was, but he also said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus, is Out of Jesus' mouth. He also says, he's talking to a very religious man, a seeker, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So, so as much as we want to talk about this truth and how great it is, It's a conditional promise, this promise how it is. Here's how it kind of came to me. If you are included in the we, then you will be with them when he comes for us so long as them are part of the we. Follow that one with me. You know, as long as you're we with Paul, you know, we who have believed, then you'll be with them when he comes for us and gathers us together to take us. But so long as, that's what we have to commit ourselves as a church to, so long as them we're talking about are part of the we who have put our trust in Jesus. That's where, you know, here's this moment, this is a huge moment maybe for some of you that, that maybe you would say you're saved, but maybe just at a given moment you had an emotional reaction and someone talked to you about Jesus and what he'd done to you, and you might have even prayed prayed a little prayer I was listening to Voice of the Martyrs uh, podcast this week, and they are talking to an Iranian brother of ours who was living in the United States, and just God did a, really a wonderful path for him to come to faith in Jesus, and he came to the front of the church. He was talking to someone who wanted to pray over him, and, and the guy was asking, talking questions about his faith, and he says, yeah, I believe. You know, I believe in Jesus. And he said, okay, well, then let's pray. He says, no, we don't have to pray. I believed. He says, no, you have to pray to invite Jesus. And he says, no, I don't. I've already done this. I believe it. So I don't have to pray to ask him to do it because I've already believed it. And uh, the guy impressed him. He said, so just for him, I prayed. And so, but he said, but I had already believed. But maybe you just prayed. But your life wouldn't really show evidence of that. Because maybe, like I said to that guy, I, I wouldn't want your confidence to appear before Jesus. I would want to be Sure so really just as a minister of the gospel i have to be honest and give you an opportunity maybe this is the opportunity for those of you that aren't sure that you're saved because this is not a moment that you want to miss this will lead you into into an unbelievable seven years of tribulation on this earth like it's never seen before and then it will lead you into forever and ever and ever without jesus so maybe you want to make sure this morning or whether you're watching on some live stream maybe you're interested in all these things you like our music But maybe you never made that decision for Jesus that you need to make today. It's a free gift. How incredible is that? So if you've done that, the weight is on us to be actively sharing this message so that as many people participate in this moment as they can, that we're just faithful, that we're we're taking the initiative and we're being aggressive especially in these, in these last days as we, see, as we see the days coming. As we live in light of this day, the Apostle John will say, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we'll be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So what does that hope do? Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That when you think of the second coming, it just drives you to live a holy life. Or this whole sense of, well, when? It's taken so long to happen. Peter says, the Lord isn't slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You. you don't think God is sick, is sick of what he's seeing happen in the world and would love to just bring it to an end so it can start the way he wants. But he delays that, from our perspective, he delays that because people are going to get saved today that wouldn't have been saved yesterday. And if he doesn't come tomorrow, because people will get saved tomorrow that wouldn't have been there if he'd come today. And that is our opportunity, and and that's our obligation, that I'm a debtor. Paul said, you know, he saw himself as a debtor with this thing of salvation. So commit yourself to Jesus, if you haven't yet, and let's commit ourselves to the gospel so that this resurrection moment You know, it would be great for us with people we see. But just think of how you will celebrate that moment, watching people reunited because you had a part in their story. That's an awesome thing. I mean, it's great to go to a wedding and watch a couple, and you had a part of their story. Now, multiply that by about a million, the celebrating you'll feel because you had part of someone's forever story. So let's commit ourselves to that. And before we pray, I'm just... So, oh, so Jen's gone home because she was sick. So, can we sing this song without Jen? Without them? We can't just have the church sing it? Okay. Huh? you going to lead it? I'll lead it. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, let's do that. I mean, let's just do it a cappella. It might be safer that way. Would it be safer? All right. I'm going to pray. Then you are going to sing I Can Only Imagine. Because what better song, huh? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, I need a more rock-solid promise than that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) thank you, Tom. Hey, Father, thank you so much for filling in the blank on on my mom, on all of these names that are coming to mind. Hey, speak out a name that comes to mind when you think of people you love that you can't wait to see again. Just speak those names out. What are the names? Yeah. Cindy's dad, Jesus, yeah, Mm -hmm, Will, yeah. Thanks for telling us they are safe right now. They are safe and they're with you and that in a moment their body's going to be resurrected and we're going to be with you first of all and then with them. So, so thankful, God, just for that, you know, those burial moments that have been a part of that I've been able to say and able to believe it's not the end. And Lord, you have entrusted this gospel to us. So this morning, we just want to pick it up more faithfully. Pick up this responsibility you've given to us to make the gospel known. We pray you'd empower us because it is not, in this culture, it is not acceptable to have something so exclusive, to have, have a gospel that tells everyone that they're sinful and that their approach to God is wrong unless they come through you. But you, Lord Jesus, had that message and you brought it with grace and love. And so we want to receive that from you. Help us, Lord, to present you to people with grace and love and truth. And believing that your spirit's gone ahead of us, that he's, he's doing the convicting of sin and he's doing the drawing. We're just praying that in these crazy days for our nation, that you would hear the prayers of so many that you would move and that this would be a, a time of harvest in the midst of chaos. And so we entrust ourselves to you that purpose. And if you're here and you're not sure you'd be included in that moment or you, you feel like the confidence you have is, might be false confidence, then here's your moment to just give yourself to Jesus. Lord, I just lay down who I am Nothing I can do to pay for what I've done. I put all of my trust in what Jesus has done for me and I accept him as my savior. Help me, Holy Spirit, now to lead, live for him and change my life. And if you you pray that and you mean it and then you walk in it, you will be with us. You're part of the we in that great promise. So if you're on live stream and you've done that, would you let us know? contact our church, or if you're in the room, would you let one of us know? If you've come to Jesus, we have, we have a couple of books we'd like to give to you to help you start, get started. So, thank you, Lord. Even so, come quickly, Jesus, as the word ends. That's what we pray, amen. Okay, let's stand, here we go. <laughs> Turning my mic off, though. All right, uh, yeah, really, really, here we go. I can only imagine